0: Welcome back to Second and Short. It is November 30th, and uh, we had a pretty good week in the NFL, Uh, some really good games on Thanksgiving. So we'll go ahead and jump into those. Um, The Bills started off, um, Bills beat the Chiefs 28-25, and I feel like watching this game, it definitely shouldn't have been this close. Um, The Bills just didn't look like the same team that they've been throughout the season, and the Lions actually kept it pretty competitive.
1: Yeah, they get that, that that game looked really well. I mean, you know, it's it's the first time uh uh teams won back-to-back in Detroit since 2016.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is super funny uh, obviously from last week's uh the snow game or the what was supposed to be the snow game in Buffalo getting moved over to Detroit. Yeah, Buffalo got to uh hang out in Detroit for two weeks, but um yeah, there there wasn't much that happened. Uh, it it was a, a relatively high scoring game for the NFL, but like Josh Allen had a, a an average day for his standards, uh, two fifty three, two touchdowns and an interception. He got it done on the ground, obviously. It's so what he's best at. Is when uh, maybe the pass isn't as successful as he wants it to be. Um, he can always just take the ball himself, and you know, ten carries, seventy eight yards, one touchdown. It's a pretty solid showing.
1: Yeah. And something else, I, I'm sure I've said this a billion times, especially on here. It is, um, I mean, when you have a superstar like Josh Allen, you know, people can't really start, like, say anything bad about him when he has a day like this. Cause for every other quarterback, that's an average day, you know? So for him, I'm, uh, I mean, there should be really a lot of people shouldn't be like too upset with him. Cause he, he's still played a great game.
0: Yeah. And, and I think we see that all the time. Uh, Like you just said, we see it from the great quarterbacks in the NFL where they're able to kind of uh, adapt to the to the situation in every game. And when the pass isn't going his way, he does a great job of running when maybe his running backs are lacking when they are running. You know, it's nice for the uh, the offensive coordinator to have Josh Allen as an option in the run game. And it, it totally changes how a defense has to play you when you know that Josh Allen is the one with the ball in his hands a majority of the
1: game. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so they- no, I was going to basically say, like, uh, you know, we talked about a lot of Bills here. Uh, I mean, the Lions are looking much better than they have in recent years. So, uh, I mean, they're always going to play up for a, a couple games and. I mean, really, I think the Bills right now are really what they're looking forward to is just the playoffs, and that's kind of what they have their mindset on because they know if they you know keep on beating, just doing what they're doing, they're going to make the playoffs. So I think that's really what they're looking forward to. And the Lions, again, like I just said, they're looking much better than they have in previous years.
0: Yeah, and, and a pretty rare occurrence as well. Uh, the third quarter, um, the scoring totals in the third quarter was Bills 2, Lions 0. That is just something you don't see very often. No. But uh, we'll, we'll go down to Dallas where the Giants take on the Cowboys. Uh, of course, the Cowboys, the second team that always plays on Thanksgiving. And, uh, okay, so the Giants are good and they're not great. Uh, I think this game was a, a good indication that uh, the Cowboys are a pretty good team and that Zeke is still a good number one option. He didn't get the... um. Him and Tony Pollard pretty much split the carries. Zeke had the better game. But at the same time, like, yes, Zeke is a number one. But I kind of think that they should stick to them splitting the snaps because one of them is bound to have a good game.
1: I agree. Um, I mean, when you have two running backs that are that good, you got to figure out how to play, play them off one another. I mean, uh gonna use a college duo, for example, probably one of the greatest college duos of all time. Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. You know, Nick Chubb was the run it down your throat, you know, down after down, get you expecting the inside run, you bring in Sony Michelle, then you put him outside and he, you know, torches your defense to the end zone. So they you know, they gotta figure out a way to get that uh get that uh tandem going there.
0: Yep. And then another thing that I, I think could have helped out the Giants is running the ball a little bit more. Obviously, Daniel Jones has done a great job in the passing game this year, but Saquon Barkley should not only have 11 carries in a game where you were down – or so you were up at halftime. You go down in the third. Saquon needs to get more carries.
1: I agree. I mean, something else uh, I think this uh, Giants team needs is – I mean, I think now, really now in like modern-day NFL, and especially in the last few years, you got to have some superstar on your team – you got to have at least you got to have more than one. I mean, of course they have Saquon Barkley, but really for them, I don't really see there's really no one else on defense or offense that is just at such a much higher level than everybody else with the exception of Saquon Barkley. So I think uh, they're going to they in the next few years they're going to have to get pick someone up in the draft that you know has a very high ceiling.
0: Yeah, and and I think they they have done a, a decent job in the draft. But um, uh, this year's Kayvon Thibodeau, it doesn't seem like he's done a lot. I'm not seeing his name a whole lot. Of course, I'm not watching a lot of Giants games. But Kayvon Thibodeau, you take him in the first round, he's a highly touted um, defensive player, and it just doesn't seem like he's having a huge impact from what I've seen.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I was very questionable about that pick because this is mainly because I uh, I'm a you know, traditionalist SEC uh, man at heart. You know, he was out in the Pac-12, and not, I'm not saying they don't produce good defense players because you know they always there's always a, a good players from out there, but usually they tend to be in the, on the offense, and there's a reason for that. Um, I think when you, you know, he, he I'm not going to say he uh, he was still a great college player, but maybe if he was at Georgia, Alabama, LSU, somewhere like that, even you know maybe even at, uh, like Ohio State or somewhere he would look a little less, you know, of a superstar and a little, just, you know, slightly above average instead of, you know, this superstar player.
0: Yeah, and and something that uh, I'm pretty sure I heard George Pickens talking about uh, that applies to this is that when he was at Georgia, when he was at practice, he's practicing against five or six other, like, first-round picks on the defense. And, like, that's why I, I see it that... Yes, an offensive player can look great in the Big 12, the Pac-12, but they've got to be going up against guys that they're going to see in the league and guys that uh, like will be there when they make it. So getting that experience in college is super valuable, and I think that's why we see a lot of SEC players that just hit the ground running when they get into the NFL, whereas... A few of the Pac 12 guys, some of the Big 12 guys that come in on defense, they, they might take a little bit more time to work on. And yes, they'll probably end up still being just as good. It just takes a little bit more time for them to get acclimated.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that's why uh, a lot of your, especially your first year, you know, start like first year looking great, come from the SEC. Cause like you said, week in, week out, you're play, you're going to not only are you pra- probably practicing against players that are going you know first two three rounds you're also playing against players that are first round you know that are that can be drafted at any point in the draft and would go out the next year and could be a possible start in the nfl so i think that's why uh, the sec especially and then like teams like ohio state clemson and uh michigan and penn state while they're kind of like on their own while they're the these teams produce so many good nfl prospects
0: yeah, for sure, and uh, we'll move on to uh, Minnesota. Uh, Patriots take on the Vikings, and this game was is pretty much exactly what we thought it would be. Mac Jones, Kirk Cousins, just throwing the ball. Uh, Dalvin Cook got twenty two carries. He obviously could not get it done. Only got forty two rushing yards, and so Kirk knew that he had to take over. He had two ninety nine in the air, thirty for thirty seven, three touchdowns, one interception. That's a that's a great game for Kirk Cousins. And then on the other side, Mac Jones, 28 for 39, 382 passing yards and two touchdowns. Like Both of these teams knew exactly what they needed to do coming into this game. It just so happens that I, I just feel like the Vikings have more weapons for big plays than the Patriots do, and that's what got them to win.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think um, really uh, something that really helped the Patriots, you know, every, uh, you really saw it as soon as uh, Gronk uh, left the team is, They really didn't have like I was saying about with the Giants. They didn't really have any superstars besides Tom Brady, you know. So they, you kind of when once you lose like that super, you may have one superstar, but it's really nice to have two or three on the team, especially in today's NFL because everyone's just so good.
0: Yeah, and I really, I honestly wouldn't say there's a single superstar on this Patriots offense. Obviously, Ramondre Stevenson has looked very good this year. Uh, He had a decent day. He only got seven carries, thirty-six yards. But his uh, activity in the receiving game was super helpful. Nine receptions. He led the team in receptions, and that was for 76 yards. But, yeah, there's not really a superstar. Obviously, Mac Jones is not a superstar, nowhere close. And, yeah, they're, looking up and down this team, I, I don't see anybody, even, even on defense, there's really only Matthew Judon stands out to me. So I think this Patriots team is doing a very good job with what they have. They just don't have enough to beat the great teams in the league.
1: Yeah, I, I fully agree. Uh, that's something Bill Belichick needs to realize. Like now that he doesn't really have, you know, really. I'm gonna say it again. Like he really had Gronk and Tom Brady, and that was basically his entire offense <laughs> for for all those years. They won all those uh, championships. So, and of course, I mean not to hate on uh, the uh, some of those specific wide receivers, but. I mean, I've said it before with other teams. When you have, two, when you have to put two defenders on one player, it opens up everybody else. So if you have, if you have one superstar, then two player, you know, two other receivers who are average to slightly above average, they're going to get open. So that's something he he needs to stop getting these just lower end prospects and go get himself another superstar.
0: Yeah, but you know, Bill Belichick can't uh, fight off drafting a random offensive lineman late in the first round.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, some uh, things want to change, I guess.
0: Yeah, and now we'll go over to the Sunday games. Uh, we'll start off, uh, as always, with our Falcons taking on the Commanders. This game sucked. I-, I watched the entire game for the first time this season. I watched a whole Falcons game, and I wanted to throw up. Like, Marcus Mariota, 174 yards in the air, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, the rushing, the running game still looked pretty good. Uh Fifty-four for Tyler Algier, fifty-two for Patterson, forty-nine for Mariota. Um, I just can't stand watching this offense when they can't run the ball, um, extremely well. Because obviously the passing game is just not even a factor. Um, like the rushing has to be there for this Falcons team to do well, and it just wasn't quite there. They were close, just not enough.
1: Yeah, it's really. It's really frustrating. Um, I know I said it uh, uh, last week or a few weeks ago. The Falcons really need to pick up a quarterback in this draft. I uh, like Marcus Mariota, and he's a good bridge quarterback, but he's nothing more – he, he's going to be able to get us you know, m- mediocre, but I don't believe he's going to be – he's obviously not the answer, as we can see here. And something yeah. else really needs to work on is uh, their interior, both sides of the ball. Um, offensive is look offensive interiors look a little better than the defensive. I mean, with the exception of, uh, Grady Jarrett, what, what do that, what do the Falcons give in the front seven, you know? So that's something else they really need to address, uh, w- either in free agency or, um, the draft in, uh, these upcoming seasons, if they want to be a contender.
0: Yeah. And, and of course the Falcons are a little bit banged up, but you know, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you have an excuse to be, you know, one in five on the road. Like if you can't win road games, you can't be successful. So like when when five of your seven losses come on the road, you can't really have any excuses. Um, you just need to execute. But then on the other side of the ball, Washington did exactly what Atlanta should have done. Where Taylor Heineke kind of did his thing. At quarterback, he really only was active when they got to the red zone. Yeah. But instead, they gave the ball to Brian Robinson, who uh, I don't even need to tell his story. Everybody knows his story at this point. But 18 carries, 105 yards for Brian Robinson. He got that receiving touchdown down in the red zone. Like He looked amazing.
1: Yeah, he did look really good. Um, I, I like him. I think he's a, he's going to be... I'm not going to say I don't. Yeah, uh, I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, a, a top running back in the NFL. But I think he will have a, a lot of good seasons. I think he I, will be very reliable. I don't know. I I
0: think he has a very strong skill set. I I see him as a, a little bit of like a. I, I don't want, really want to say Christian McCaffrey because I don't see him being that active in the receiving game. But I do see him as a guy that like maybe like more of an Aaron Jones where he's a he's a good runner. He's not really like your I need two yards guy. But Mm -hmm. you let him get outside, he's gonna move. Open space is Brian Robinson's happy place. But like that truck that he hit on the the receiving touchdown, like it, it shows that he's he's got some of the skills that are required of running backs that tend to be elite in this league.
1: He does. I actually can. Uh, if I'm allowed to, I want to retract my statement. No. I've seen you can't. A, well, yeah, I know I can't now, but <laughs> I, I, I want to see more before like I fully commit to that statement. If I if I can.
0: That that's fair enough. I'll, I'll give you that one.
1: Because I mean, you know, God forbid something else is to happen to him. You know, so it, it take you know one thing and it could just make you that much slower, that much less agile. You know, so I, I want to see a little more before I, I fully commit to seeing him as a future uh superstar. Alright, well we'll move on.
0: Uh we're gonna go over to Cleveland so we can witness Tom Brady's downfall. Yes. Um twenty three seventeen Browns. It it was ugly. Um I, I don't think either team should have won. Like yeah, Nick Chubb did his thing. Hundred and sixteen yards and a touchdown. I'll give him that. Jacoby Brissett is, is begging every team in the league to sign him for next year after Deshaun Watson takes his job this coming week. And Tom Brady is just, at this point, it's a cry for help.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I know I've said this a plethora of times beforehand, but he should have retired after that uh, Super Bowl win in Tampa Bay to just prove the point that, yeah, he had more in him, whatever, to shut the haters. He surpassed everybody. He's number one, whatever. He should have gone out on top, like because I mean, honestly, Peyton Manning could still have been in the league if he wanted to. But Peyton Manning knew, okay, I've reached the pinnacle now. I won my second Super Bowl, whatever. He had, I have all these records. I'm going to go ahead and retire, and I'll go out on top. This is how people are going to remember me.
0: Yeah, and and I think Peyton also realized that, you know, he wasn't the most mobile quarterback. He he was definitely a pure pocket passer. And he realized that the league was changing. Tom Brady is facing the repercussions of that because, look, defensive ends and interior linemen are just getting faster and, and they're more athletic now. And Tom Brady not being mobile in the pocket is just screwing him over.
1: I agree. I mean, he's also what, 44, 42, something like 45.
0: that? 45. Oh my
1: God. Yeah. 45 years old, dude, you retired at 40. I mean, there is no—he has nothing else to prove. He's now losing his family. Why are you still in the? Why, why are you still doing this to yourself?
0: Yeah, it it really just like brings to life the jokes about like it's mere the game.
1: Mm-hmm. This is why you don't sign a deal with the devil. <laughs>
0: <'Cause laughs> yes. Yeah, Tom, we know you're in the Illuminati. You don't oh yeah, as soon
1: as he retires from football it's not going to be good for him because he signed a deal with the devil. All
0: right, well, we'll move on from the devil talk, and I do want to ask you a question about a guy who most people would consider a devil, Deshaun Watson. He's most likely going to be the starting quarterback this coming Sunday, and I just want to see what you think Deshaun Watson does for this team and see, like, do you think he's really going to improve this Browns team?
1: Um... That's a that's very hard to say because as we know he is an amazing quarterback. I mean, yeah, he did terrible thing or did terrible things, not good things. Um, we I think everybody can agree on that. Very morally wrong. With that being said, he is still a good quarterback, although he has not played a game in what a year and a half now.
0: Uh, I think it's really been two years.
1: Yeah, so two years since he's played a football game. How is this going to look for him, you know? Is, is he going to... I think maybe he... I mean, I'm sure that he's still young and very and talented, of course, so it, it's either going to be a very rough one for him come Sunday or uh, he's going to show back up. I doubt he'll show exactly up to the form he was in. He's going to have some issues because, like we said, he hasn't played in two years. But he'll definitely... Um, we'll, we'll definitely see uh, what he's like coming up here.
0: Yeah, we definitely... Um... We'll see. Uh, I, I don't think we'll see the full Deshaun Watson experience like we saw in Houston when he had DeAndre Hopkins and he had a lot of really good weapons. We're going to see a Deshaun Watson that probably plays a little bit more conservative. He's got Nick Chubb at running back that he can always just rely on when things are going his way. So I think we'll see a little bit more of a reserve to Sean Watson. I don't think he's quite ready to take over this offense. I, I know he's been practicing with the team, um, but you can't expect him to just you know take the keys and put it in, in drive. So I, I don't see them completely changing this season, but I think that the remainder of the season is a good way for them to see how it's going to affect the team come next year.
1: I agree. I agree fully.
0: All right. So we'll move on to a a pretty hard fought battle down in Nashville, Bengals 20 Titans 16. And I think this is where we start to see the Bengals make the turn. They did it last year where they, they got a little bit deeper into the season. They started winning the games that you just have to win. They're getting real good at edging out tough opponents, and I think this game was a huge reflection of that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think I still think uh, they're they're a young team. There's a lot for them to learn, and they'll keep maturing and getting better. Um, but yeah, they really are looking uh, very similar to last year, winning the games they got to win.
0: Yeah, and, and it's even more impressive that they're winning them without Jamar Chase. They won this game without Joe Mixon. And, you know, T. Higgins has stepped up as that number one wide receiver, seven receptions, 114 with one touchdown. Samaj P. Ryan is doing uh, uh, as good of a job as he needs to in the run game and the pass game. And then Joe Burrow is just doing his thing. And one of the biggest keys to success for this Bengals team is limiting the sacks. Joe Burrow only got sacked once for four yards. And. As much as it was only a four-point game, Cincinnati looked great.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree with what you said. It, it is very much eliminating the sacks. I mean, if you look at, like, I'm sure, uh, I saw, I might, I'm, I'm not even sure I'm not making this up. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I saw a statistic uh, just the other day, and it was like, if you were to uh, look at all the losses for the Bengals, they gave up, like, the, the, the including this season and last season, and like the Super Bowl to this season, it was a crazy number of sacks and sack yardage yardage loss. And then if you were to look at the uh, games they won, very few sacks were given up, very few sack yardage. And uh, like you said, it, it very much goes down to the offensive line and how they perform. If they perform well and prevent Joe Burrow from getting sacked, they're, they they're mo- they're going win the game because Joe Burrow can be in, in the pocket and do Joe Burrow things. But you know, when they cannot prevent, the when they you're giving up sacks and uh, TFLs and uh, such, that's when they run into their issues. Something else I want to say on the Titans side is I think this is what happens when the Titans who traded away one of the best receivers in the league. This is you know what happens when you trade away your best receiver and you only have one player now. They just have Derrick Henry on their offense.
0: Yeah, and, and he didn't really have a great game. Uh, he, he actually he had a bad game. 17 carries, 38 yards. Like, that is unacceptable. Obviously, uh, the three receptions, 79 yards for Derrick, uh, kind of helped him out. It was be- mainly because of the 69-yard reception. But Tannehill, he had to pass, and I'm not even going to say he did a bad job. 22 for 34, 291. He-, he didn't throw an interception. He got sacked once. He didn't do a horrible job of just kind of staying in the pocket and letting things develop. It's more just that he doesn't have the talent at the wide receiver position to make things happen when you can't set up the run.
1: I agree. And I, I think that's, that, that was their biggest mistake this offseason season, was not understanding how much of their offense was A.J. Brown being the secondary option when they cannot open up that run game. And He was their passing game. almost. Not saying he was the full passing game, but he was able to make those plays that they needed to make. Well i suppose these other wide receivers since they're you know they're average is slightly above average you are not you know they're just get, getting done what needs to be done A.J. brown was able to go was able to get done more than what needed to be get, get done he was able to be um he was just playing at a much higher level than what they have now and that offense is not used to that so they definitely uh they want to be successful keep being successful like they were uh last season they got to get uh a good running or sorry, a good uh, receiver back there.
0: Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll go down to South beach. Uh, Miami takes on Houston. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you can guess how this one went. The dolphins won 30 to 15. And the whole first half was just a Miami field day. Uh, to a 299 yards in the air. Got him a touchdown. Jalen Waddle, five receptions, 85 Tyreek Hills, six receptions, 85. Like they were just getting it done, and Houston just had no answers. Uh, Kyle Allen was starting at to quarterback today or uh, Sunday. Damian Pierce just only got five carries. Uh, I'm not sure if he might have gotten hurt. I didn't see much about this game, but five carries, eight yards. It's not what we've been used to with Damian Pierce throughout this season. But yeah, this this Texans offense is hard to watch.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's really not too much to say about this game. Like you said. <laughs> The Texans are just not good. I think uh, they they've had some they've had you know some glimmers uh, of hope uh, on their team, but really not too much.
0: Yeah, and and then you look at that fifteen, and you would assume it was probably five field goals because of how bad this offense is. Uh, no, they scored two touchdowns and they missed. Uh, they missed. I think they went for two because um, Kai Fairburn didn't miss any extra points. He didn't even take any. So. It looks like they went for two both times they scored a touchdown, which seems ridiculous, and then lost
1: 15-30. Yeah, that is um, – I mean, there's really not too much you can say about <laughs> the Texans except for they're just not good.
0: Yeah, and, and as bad as they are, I'm going to just stop talking about them. I hate them. Yeah. So we'll we'll go on to somewhere where um, the backup quarterback came in and actually did a great job. New Jersey, Bears-Jets. Jets take it 31-10. And, and obviously, the Bears' backup didn't quite do it, but uh, we were all hoping for a Nathan Peterman game. We don't really care for Trevor Simeon. But, uh, yeah, Mike White looked ridiculously good. Twenty-eight for er, sorry, 22 for 28, 315, and three touchdowns. Like, that is ridiculous. Like, Mike White, I'm pretty sure, has more... Two plus passing touchdown games than Zach Wilson does in his career.:
1: Yeah, um, I think I've I, I said this before, but Zach Wilson, I kind of said it when he was coming out of college, uh, and I said it again uh, in, in the recent weeks. He doesn't really do it for me. I think he was just, you know, he played at a lower level, so he looked a little better than, he looked a lot better than what he actually was, and he has some good games. Don't get me wrong, he still has good games now. But there's a lot with him that I don't like. Uh, he doesn't really possess too much leadership. Uh, doesn't really doesn't possess like many leadership qualities, and uh, I mean he just kind of seems like he's just there for the money. Doesn't really care for the team. Just the especially in the recent times, what I'm getting from him. Uh, of course, this could all be wrong and different. This is just from the recent interviews and things. So I don't know. I, I've I've been. Um, I've never really been a biggest fan of him, but I do think he does have potential in him. I think it just depends on how he plays and how how much he cares.
0: Yeah, well, and it doesn't help that he has, like, the most punchable face. So everybody uh, everybody just loves to hate on him. And, like, look, he's done a couple of good things. He's looked good in the past, but, like, I, I already talked about it last week. What he did last week was ridiculous and should lose any quarterback the starting job. So, honestly, I think Mike White needs to be starting next week. And if, if Robert Saul is thinking otherwise, that, that is complete and utter bullshit.
1: I, I 100% agree. Um, yeah, there's really not too much more I have to say about it than what I already said. But I agree. I don't think Zach Wilson really deserves a job right now.
0: No, not at all. But uh we'll, we'll go down to Carolina. Uh the Panthers beating the Broncos 23 to 10 and my god, was this just like a This was like watching two people punch each other in the face when they're drunk. Like <laughs> nobody nobody knew what was going on. It was just like Sam Darnold and Russell Wilson trying to run offenses and neither of them could.
1: Yeah, um really neither team's been good at all this year. And I mean, I know the Broncos got uh, Russell Wilson thinking that's going to change everything, and as we can tell, obviously, it's not. And I don't know if it's because the Broncos just suck as untied, just everything there sucks management, <laughs> coaching, players, everything. Or I don't really know what the issue is there, but it's bad,
0: <laughs> yeah. And I can't explain, like. What happened to Russell Wilson from Seattle to Denver, where he's going 19 for 35 with only 142 yards? Like, I don't know what the problem is. He's got guys that are running well. Latavius Murray, 13 carries, 92 yards. Like, that should be something that helps Russell Wilson develop the pass, and it's just not happening. Cortland Sutton had a good game. Kendall Hilton had a decent game. Otherwise, everybody else was getting, like, one reception for short yardage, And it just does nothing for them. And then Carolina on the other side kind of played it right. Look, they know that Sam Darnold is not the guy. They started him this week because it it just, they needed a change. And 11 completions, 19 attempts. He just did his thing. A 103 QB rating, or sorry, a 72 QB rating, 103.8 passer rating. Like, that's pretty solid. Obviously, they didn't give him the opportunity to fuck that up. but. Donta Foreman did a great job. Chuba Hubbard did a great job. And that that's kind of the only reason the Panthers won.
1: Yeah. Um, kind of to touch on the Russell Wilson thing. I just don't know why he's doing so bad. I mean, he looked better in Seattle last year than he is right now. And I, I don't know if it's because he was more comfortable there last year, or Pete Carroll gave him more range or what, but he look he just does not look good this year. I mean, he doesn't look terrible, but he doesn't look great. Yeah, and,
0: and there was a lot of changes in Denver in this offseason. I'll give them that. They sold the team, new head coach, new quarterback. Obviously, there's going to be some disconnects. But at this point in the season, you'd think things would start coming together. And I know Jerry Judy's hurt, and you know Melvin Gordon didn't do what they needed to, so they cut him. Like There's still changes happening throughout the t- the, the lineup, but... You'd think they would have found consistency by this point. Every every week we we're like, oh, Russell Wilson's struggling, it's a new environment, new new personnel, whatever. And at this point, you've played twelve ga- or sorry, eleven games. You should know the offense. So I I just can't explain why he's doing so bad.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't know the explanation either. Obviously that's something that is above our uh understanding right now because that's not where you know we're not a part of the team. We don't know him personally, so we can't really say if it's you know SUC saving personally, internally, or what it is. But he needs to figure yeah. that out. If he yeah, wants to,
0: I'll I'll leave this uh this Broncos discussion. With one last thing is that Russell, if you want to keep playing like this, you're gonna have to sell a lot more danger witches. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll go down to Jacksonville, down in Duval, Jacksonville Jaguars. Steal a win off the Ravens. 28-27. Uh, New Bowl, Yes, sir. And, and the, the first, I, I believe, like the first time in franchise history that the Jaguars have come back from down seven or more in the last like two minutes of regulation and won the game, which is ridiculous. There, I think the stat was like one in 140. Yeah. So... Trevor Lawrence looked so damn good. Twenty nine for thirty seven, three hundred and twenty one, three touchdowns. He still got sacked four times, but you know that isn't all his fault. But yeah, Trevor looked amazing, and we kind of started to write him off a little bit um, throughout this season because everybody kind of was like, "Okay, well we can we can cut him some slack from last year because Urban Meyer was his head coach and." All sorts of crap was going down over there. But now this year, I think he's starting to settle in a little bit more and I think he's gonna be a really good quarterback.
1: I agree. I, I like him. He was you know, he's from not too far away from where we are, so it's always nice to see someone basically local do really good. Um, you know, he, he's always been a great quarterback and I agree. I think he is finally starting to settle in. I like, uh, I think him and the coach are uh, Doug Peterman, right? Peterson. Peterson, sorry. Uh, they're clicking, they're looking good. So I'm liking this. I, I want to see, I, I like Zen Jackson. Jackson will do good because I just like yelling Duval.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And I, and I love when we make content about the Jags because I love using hashtag Duvall. Duval? Um, <laughs> so Zay Jones had a great game in the receiving game. 11 receptions, 145 yards. You can't really ask much more from your wide receivers. But then on the other side of the ball, you would expect the Ravens to play a little bit better against uh, a a 3 and 7 Jacksonville Jaguars team. Lamar a, a perfect 50% on the completion percentage, 16 for 32, 254 in the air, one touchdown. And then he had 89 on the ground, but they weren't making anything out of it. Gus Edwards had a decent game, but you'd think that your primary running back would get more rushes. He only had 16 rushes, and I know Lamar takes a lot of those rushes away from the running backs, but if if it's not doing anything for you, you got to switch it up. This team looked exactly the same throughout the entire game until the fourth they they kind of picked it up, but they looked super flat.:
1: Yeah, I agree. um. They they definitely look very flat out there. They just, I don't know what it was, but that's a great way to put it. They definitely look flat.
0: Yeah, and, and like Mark Andrews came back into the lineup, and then they still didn't use Isaiah Likely, who looked pretty good in the games where he was filling in for Mark Andrews. So it, it just seems like they put so much attention on the guys that they want to get the ball to, and they put... They, they put all of the offense in Lamar Jackson's hands. And sometimes when you do that, the the quarterback will just kind of get lost in it. Um, people kind of forget that Lamar Jackson is still a young quarterback. And he's got more growing to do just because we've seen him play so well. But yeah, there, there's still a, a little bit of a learning curve. And I I think the Ravens have a lot to work on.
1: Um, something to go off with Lamar Jackson is what I said about uh, Josh Allen is there will be yes they play at such a higher level level than most other quarterbacks in the league, and when they have they're going to have games like this just being a base, an average looking quarterback. So, you know they're in what we've it is they're still young. There's a lot of learning to do, but they're going to have those games where they just look average, and that's okay. <laughs> and it's okay to just have those games where you're not a superstar. You can't play at that level all the time. So, it's okay to have a few games where you're not in that level, but you still, but it's not like they're, you know, either playing like a superstar or like a fifth string practice squad quarterback. They're playing a superstar or still a starting quarterback in the NFL, just, you know, not too great. And I think I agree with you. There's still a big learning curve of him being in the NFL. He's still very young. So, uh, he's got a long career ahead of him, and I'm, I'm just excited to see him continue to get better.
0: Yeah, and then uh, another quarterback who's got a long career ahead of him is Justin Herbert. Uh, Him and the Chargers went down to Arizona, beat him 25-24, just barely. It it took the eight points in the fourth to get that lead, but Herbert looked great. And I think that's something that we're going to keep seeing is when they let Justin Herbert just do his thing, they're going to be successful. 35 completions, 47 attempts, 274 in the air, three touchdowns. Like, let him run the offense. Uh, We were just saying that you don't want your offense to fully run through Lamar Jackson. But with Justin Herbert, it seems like he is very comfortable in the pocket. He's not afraid to move around. But at the same time, he's very good at just staying in the pocket, shifting around the linemen, and just making the right play.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's a great quarterback. and he. I mean, there's a lot of young quarterbacks in the league. Uh, this is getting off topic a little bit. but That's another reason why I'm ready for, like, uh, Tom Brady to retire and some of the older quarterbacks to go ahead and, you know, leave the league to give these younger quarterbacks their opportunity. Um, obviously, you know, uh, the ones we've been talking about, Lamar, Josh Allen, and uh, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, they're, they have their spot. But these other teams like uh, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, it's time for them to go ahead and hang up the cleats. Like, you've you know, you've had long, great careers. You know you've been in the league for a long time. Go ahead, spend time with your family. Just take step away and let let us watch these other young quarterbacks do great.
0: Yeah, you did say Matt Ryan, but I think the Colts are going to have at least a thirty five year old quarterback for like the rest of their existence. Um, <laughs> but uh, what kind of surprised me with LA, and I know we just touched on Herbert having the ball a lot is that Austin Eckler only got five carries. It, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me why you're leaving Eckler kind of out of the offense. Yeah, okay, you were targeting him in the passing game, but you know that Eckler's a skilled runner. You can use that to kind of set yourself up to let Justin Herbert run the offense. So get let Eckler get those short yards, get the first down rushes, and let Herbert do what he needs to in the higher pressure situations. Uh, you shouldn't see Austin Eckler getting five carries for twenty yards in a game.
1: I agree. I mean, we've talked about this at least every time we've had this episode, I had one of these shows. And so I'm going to keep the theme going. You run the ball to set up the passing game. That's that's the reason they started the forward pass is because it it helped open up the game a little more you got to run the ball to set up the passing game. Um, That's how it works.
0: Yeah, and and then on the other side, uh, the problem with running the ball to set up the passing game is when you don't have a passing game. So James Conner, 25 carries, 120 yards. That is an insanely good performance. The problem is that Kyler Murray sucks. 18 completions, 29 attempts, 191 in the air, two touchdowns, and an interception. He just can't get it done. Like. There, there's no way to, to put it outside of Kyler Murray. He can't get it done when it comes to executing late in the game. He can't get it done when it just comes to the red zone. Like, it, it just doesn't work.
1: I, I just, uh, I've said it before, I'm not the biggest fan of Kyler Murray. I think he's a good quarterback, but I don't think he's going to be around too long just because his greatest skill set hit for him is really just scrambling and running the football and in in this league still they very very much value uh, passing the football and he just also you know when anytime the call of duty's come out you know you you don't (laughs) can't expect too much from him those always come out at least once a year so
0: hey man he's got to get ready ranked play is going to be coming out soon but um (laughs) i I don't want to get stuck in the kyler murray and cliff kingsbury hole that we get in every week so we'll go up to seattle Raiders win it 40-34 to 34 in overtime, and, and this game was uh, great on both sides uh, when it comes to offense. Uh, in the passing game, Seattle killed it. Geno Smith, 27 for 37, 328, two touchdowns, and one interception. They didn't quite do much in the running game. This is probably the, the least production we've seen from Kenneth Walker in the run game outside of his two touchdowns. 14 carries, 26 yards, two touchdowns. You know, he's averaging 1.9 yards per carry in this game. His longest is a 14-yard rush, but he still got it done when he needed to. He got the short yardage that was needed, and uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out, but he kept him in this game. So, well, we'll, I do want to touch on one more thing before we move on from this game, and it's Josh Jacobs. Oh, my God, did he put on a clinic? He had 33 carries, 229 yards, two touchdowns. And then just a, just the icing on top, six receptions, 74 yards. That was just a, a fantasy dream for Josh Jacobs' owners.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a, he, he played a great game. I mean, I, I've always, I always liked him. I, I knew he was going to be good coming out of Alabama. He's had some rough patches, but he still looks uh, really good.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, we'll move on to another team that's just looking good, and, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, obviously, they're playing a a, a very beat-up Rams team, but Chiefs take it 26-10. Patrick Mahomes, he, he's always good for 300. Uh, 27 completions, 42 attempts, 320 in the air, one touchdown, one interception. Um, Isaiah Pacheco has been kind of a surprise this season. Uh, getting the starting carries for Kansas City, with Clyde Edwards, a layer out, 22 carries, 69 yards, and a touchdown, he, he's been pretty successful. Um, but I, I don't really think that the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC right now.
1: Yeah, I have to agree. I think uh, I've said it before in the past. I think, uh, well, first, I think missing Tyreek Hill is a uh, big, big weapon that uh patrick mahomes is definitely missing right about now but uh, i mean not saying he's still having a great great uh season uh but what i was going to say is this this team is set up to win it is set up to no matter who they bring in and out they have a great quarterback they have a great system they're going to consistently win much like the uh the patriots bill belichick and tom brady so this is a a seat i don't think i mean uh, you know they're set to win, but I don't think this is really a year where they're going to be the top dogs, you know?
0: Yeah, and I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit more in my stake your claim. Uh, I won't give that one away, but you know what? The Rams, I, I'm giving them a break. They had to start Bryce Perkins at, at quarterback. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody had heard of him before this game. Uh, he didn't even play all that bad, uh, considering the circumstances. Um. Obviously, if he was an actual starter, 100 passing yards would be unacceptable. But he didn't really play that bad for a third-string quarterback. And, yeah, the rest of the team, you know, nothing special. This offense looked really bad. I was kind of surprised they even scored that touchdown at the end. But uh, we'll move on from this one because I I don't want to just sit here and talk about this Rams team right now. So uh, we'll go on to uh, the Sunday night – or, sorry – No, this wasn't Sunday Night Football. This was also in the uh, 425 slate. The 49ers just absolutely dominated the Saints. Like, it was mean the way that they won.
1: Yeah, I mean, anytime you can shut out... First off, anytime you can shut out an NFL team, that is always impressive. Um, Yeah. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, and, and it's just even more proof that this 49ers defense is the best defense in the NFL right now.
1: Oh yeah. I fully agree with that. Um, I think the Niners is going to be a good team. I would I would like to see them. I think they can go pretty far because like you said this defense is really good. They have played very well this year and they got some great offensive weapons and I think Jimmy G, you know, he's no top, you know, not best quarterback in the league, but he's definitely your average quarterback and he can get he can get the job done. I mean, he's taken him to the Super Bowl before, and I think he—I think he can do it again, definitely off the back of this defense and uh, CMC and uh, oh, what's his name? You know who I'm thinking, Debo Samuel. Debo.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that has been the story with Jimmy Garoppolo for his whole time in San Fran. Is like he—he's good enough to get you some wins. Uh, he is a serviceable quarterback, um, but he hasn't really done like the above and beyond that makes a guy like an elite quarterback. So, we will need to see a little bit more production from this offense. Like, 13 points, you should be putting up way more than 13 points on New Orleans. And I think it just kind of starts with the run game. It's kind of lacking. Obviously, only 29 carries for the whole team. Uh, McCaffrey got 11. Elijah Mitchell was 7. But you can't win when all you do is pass the ball, especially when Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, not to sound like a broken record, but like we said, he literally can just do the bare minimum, and I think they're kind of content with that right now.
0: And I don't blame them. They're seven and four, and you know they're setting up pretty well to uh, get into the playoffs and have have a strong run. Um, we'll move on from that and go over to the Saints. It's just sad, man. Alvin Kamara. I don't know who took your soul away uh, before this season. Uh, Andy Dalton, I never want to see you play football ever in my life. And like, like Alan Kamara is fumbling the ball now two fumbles lost. Like it it is just hard to watch. Uh, They can't even get Taysom Hill incorporated. Like sometimes it's fun to watch the saints when they just decide that Taysom Hill is a quarterback. They just don't let him get the chance.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, they're definitely st- holding on to a lot of stuff uh from the previous regime with uh Sean Payton and Drew Brees. It's time for them to move on. Um they they definitely need to just almost need to hit the restart button just say, you know what? Let's tank and let's just get let's rebuild here. Because I mean they still have some good players, don't get me wrong, but no nothing there is really looking too great.
0: Yeah, it it's uh it is horrible, and I love to see it because I'm a Falcons fan. But, yeah, it, it sucks what's going on right now in New Orleans because they are so hard to watch. Um, we'll move on to another team. It's been a little bit hard to watch this season, kind of a surprise. Sunday night football, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, they they lose to the Philadelphia Eagles, 40-33. Uh, to Rodgers goes out with the thumb injury. We already knew before the game that it was broken, and he still played and it just
1: didn't work. Yeah. Um, I just, I think this goes back to something I have said rep- rep- so many times. You just, it's time for them to split ways with Aaron Rodgers. They've done so much for him, and there's, they're giving so much to him, they're kind of forgetting that, like, oh, football is more than just one position player. That could just be a me thing here saying that, but I really like him. He's a great quarterback. He still has years left in him. Don't get me wrong. With that being said, I think the Packers have put too much just for him. And it's time to to remember, okay, there's more to a football team than just one quarterback.
0: Yeah, and they have weapons. That's the thing is he's not playing well, and he's got Christian Watson who has looked, very good in these last couple weeks. Uh, it wasn't looking too great for that receiving core at the beginning, but, you know, he's got his favorite wide receiver, Randall Cobb, which he hit for a touchdown, but you've got Lazard. You didn't throw him a pass once. Uh, he didn't get his first reception until Jordan Love came in the game. And, and then you have two great running backs, and they combined for 20 carries. Like, if you're not going to pass the ball with Rodgers successfully, you got to at least run the ball. And A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones need way more carries. Uh, We've said it so many times, and we've said it even when they're being successful. It's that they're getting the ball. They're running the ball, and it's creating a strong offense. Obviously, yes, they put up 33 points, but they still didn't look very good, uh, at least numbers-wise. I watched the game. At some points, they looked good. It looked promising. They had a couple successful drives, but you know that the Eagles are gonna just pounce on you at least in one of the quarters. And this Eagles offense is so good. Yeah, like I mean, Jalen Hurts is ridiculous, and and I, I just want you to read these Jalen Hurts stats because I just want to listen to them.
1: So his um his. Uh, statistics just for this game is I believe this is it. Uh, he had an eighty-eight and a half QBR, fifty-seven point one completion for one hundred and fifty-three yards, for, counting for two touchdowns, sixteen for twenty-eight. Um, uh, averaging five and a half yards per um per throw. Uh, long for thirty. Which is rushing for this game? There it is. Rushing, he had 17 attempts for 157 yards, averaging 9.2 yards per carry with a 42-yard long.
0: Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, And, like, the fact that Miles Sanders was also in on the running game with 21 carries, 143 yards, and two touchdowns, like, it is ridiculous how efficient this Eagles offense really is. And then, like... None of the receivers had an outstanding game. Obviously, Hertz wasn't too involved in the passing game. Um, Like you said, 153 passing yards. But like we say every time, they used the run to set up the pass, and they did it very successfully, and it it, it edged out the win for them. Um, There's not too much more to say other than that A.J. Brown needs to just stop. Please, A.J. Brown, please stop fumbling the ball. He he's done it like multiple times in the last couple of weeks, and it is just constantly screwing them over.
1: Yeah, I'm very surprised he's fumbling the ball as often as he is. That's very uncharacteristic of him. Uh, and I think he just they they need to get in practice and just go okay for the next <laughs> this week until the next game for the next for an hour. We're just gonna rip the ball from you, and you just got to work on keeping that strong. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's very out of character when you're an extremely muscular and like buff wide receiver. Why are you dropping the ball? But (laughs) we'll move on to probably the worst Monday night matchup that they could have had for this season. Steelers, Colts. Steelers take it twenty four seventeen, and like I didn't even I, I got home from work in time to watch the second half of this game and just chose not to turn it on I, I did not want to watch this
1: yeah it was on in the living room in my house and I went down I, I sat in there for a little bit and I was like nah, I don't care this is it's the Steelers it's the Colts I I, I don't care there's no real quarterback in this game like Let's just see how this goes. Just hope my fantasy does well for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like Jonathan Taylor finally had a a pretty solid game for himself, which we've he's been missing for the last couple of weeks, with uh, 86 yards and a touchdown on the ground. But like, this is so boring. I I love watching George Pickens. I love watching Deontay Johnson. I would love it ten times more if they had a good quarterback. I I think Kenny Pickett is okay obviously he's super young He he's only played a handful of games in the nfl so i don't want to just come out here and say like oh he sucks like he he can play quarterback he had a good completion percentage today which you got to give him props for he was accurate 20 for 28 i'll give yeah. him that but he it just doesn't seem like he has that same big playability that we saw from him when he was at Pitt. and obviously um the <laughs> the Opponents are a little bit different in the NFL than when you're playing at the, in the ACC and you're kind of on the lower side of the ACC. But regardless, he was able to make things out of nothing, and it just seems like he's missing that.
1: Yeah, I agree. But I think, uh, like you said, the, the key point you said there was he's very young. And I think when you're in a league where everybody is at the elite level, it's hard to get used to that. Uh, I think he has. Uh, he'll be good, but i I I would have to see a lot more from him. But I don't really think he's ever going to be anything super special. I think he'll be a very good possible bridge quarterback, or to kind of like, or kind of like how the um, Browns used Baker for those few years. You know, just gonna keep him there until they find. You know, he's gonna be able to win them games. Keep him in, you know. Keep him in games, win games, but you know he won't be able to bring them to that, you know, Super Bowl contending uh, uh, spot again. This is only from a few starts I've seen from him, so there's a lot that can uh, can change there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think we we definitely need to give Kenny Pickett time because he's he's got a chance to be great. He, he's a solid passer. He can get involved in the run. He moves really well in the pocket. We just haven't seen it yet, and and it could be that. Maybe he doesn't have the right people around him. Maybe uh, he hasn't really gotten that full opportunity to shine. But I, I, I can't right now. I, I'm not gonna spend my time watching him. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll move on uh, into the uh, MLB offseason. Um, just a, a couple of moves have happened in this past week. They're a little bit, a little bit interesting. Uh, the biggest one for sure, uh, Jose Abreu. 2020 AL MVP signs a three-year deal with the Astros, and this one definitely blindsided me. Uh, I, I knew the Astros were going to be in the market for a first baseman, but I did not expect Jose Abreu uh, to leave Chicago. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I agree. Um, I have a couple friends who are big uh, White Sox fans. Uh, he played for the White Sox, right? I'm not crazy. Yes, yeah, he did. Whew. See, I don't want to make. I hate when I'm wrong. Uh, but yeah, I have a couple friends who are big White Sox fans, and they were very upset by this because you know they he's a great player. <laughs> I mean, I'm I would be upset too, but you know I I hate seeing Houston getting good, or staying good and getting good players. I just kind of want to see them lose cheaters.
0: Yeah, yeah, I trust me, I I hate the Astros with with all my heart. But yeah, this this is a great pickup. the The fact that they were able to. Pick up and, and address the needs uh, for this extremely good lineup. You you wouldn't think they need anything, but yeah, adding a bat like Jose Abreu is, is never gonna hurt. Um, so we'll move on. Uh, Jose Abreu's former team now uh, made a pretty good move. Mike Clevenger for a one year deal, and, and we haven't seen much of Mike Clevenger uh, after he got traded to the Padres, but he still has the opportunity to be a great pitcher in this league. I, I just I don't see this move really doing much for the White Sox.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't really think it really matters for them because, you know, they're kind of just middle-of-the-road team. Uh, I mean, in the last few years, I thought they were getting better, but it just seems that they always tend to fall apart after the All-Star break. Or at least that's uh, that was this year the case, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: So, I mean, you know we'll we'll see what they decide to do. Uh maybe Obama can get in there and uh get him to be good. Oh,
0: yeah, he would be a good GM. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll move on. Uh the Brewers trade Hunter Renfro to the Angels. And and really the only reason I wanted to bring this up is because Hunter Renfro his entire career everybody has just said that he looks exactly like Mike Trout. So, we now have two Mike Trouts on the Angels. Uh they still probably won't make the playoffs. But they are starting to stack up the moves. They've made a lot of good moves, and I I like the direction they're going in. I just still don't fully believe in that rotation.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, here's a question: Do you think they're gonna keep? They're gonna uh, because it doesn't show Yotani go as a free agent next season?
0: I believe so. I think I think he. Yeah, I think he's there for one more year and then he'll be a free agent.
1: So do you think they're going to give him the big bucks to stay if he keeps up what uh, like he's been playing?
0: I think they'll offer him a, a good contract. But, yeah, I, I don't see him staying there. Uh, Shohei Otani needs to play somewhere where he can have the spotlight on him day in and day out. And... Maybe that means he goes to the Dodgers. Maybe that means he goes to the Yankees, which I would absolutely hate. But, yeah, he just needs to go somewhere where, like, people want to watch. The Angels are not that team. Uh, they're, they're constantly overshadowed by the Dodgers. I think that Shohei would be great, even in San Francisco. Just He needs to go somewhere where, like, the fans truly care. I'm not saying he needs to come to Atlanta. I don't think that would do much for us. Obviously, he's a great bat. He's a a great hitter, a great pitcher. Obviously, it helps everybody. But he needs to go somewhere where the fans are willing to be there every night and just kind of witness the glory of Shohei Otani.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, he he does just need to go somewhere. Where I mean, he he does bring fans, in. I mean, he's an amazing baseball player. People will go. To you know, watch him pitch, watch him bat. So um, yeah, I I definitely agree with that. I um, I was thinking the same exact thing, and that was that's what I was going to bring up. I agree with you. I'd love to see him in Atlanta, but I don't really know how well he would fit in here. You know?
0: Yeah, I I, I don't think he truly has a spot in Atlanta, uh, at least at the moment or in the next couple years. But um, a couple of guys that do have their spot in Atlanta for at least one or two years. Tyler Matzik agrees to his two-year deal to avoid arbitration. And I know Matzik didn't quite have the year that everybody was looking for. He was hurt for a little while. But nonetheless, a great left-handed bullpen arm that will just come in and get outs. That, that's all that matters. And, you know, I, I know you love Tyler Matzik.
1: Yeah. I don't know why I like him so much, but I do. Something about him just makes me happy.
0: Hey, man, he's got energy. I love seeing a pitcher with just like energy on the mound and he he truly is like the he I think he really brought life to that bullpen uh in the World Series run uh now a, a year from a year ago um he was kind of the the life and soul of that bullpen and a bullpen that was definitely struggling throughout the season But, yeah, I I like Tyler Matzik. I like bringing him back. Um, A two-year deal is definitely what he's worth. But uh, we'll move on to another guy who has just become the question mark of the Braves uh, for the past three, four years now, and that's Mike Soroka, a guy who was almost the NL Rookie of the Year. He he goes out with the Achilles injury, and then he hurts it again. And then he goes to come back this year and gets hurt again. Like, I don't know why we keep giving him another chance. I know he was great, but I I don't see any use in just bringing him back over and over again.
1: Yeah, I agree. I've I've asked that same question to many people. He seems to still be a bit of a fan favorite. Everybody knows the name because he did have such a good first year. But, you know, and you hate to, you know, just give up on someone who keeps getting injured because, you know, a lot of times you just can't help like Achilles injuries. You know, that's something you can't really help. But, I mean, I th- definitely think after this season, if he gets hurt again or he just doesn't play to the potential, it's time for us to cut him loose.
0: Yeah, and it's sad to say because he was a great prospect coming up, came up, immediately made an impact. But, yeah, we, we can't just sit around and, and wait for him to be ready. Um so we'll move on to the last thing in the MLB, uh just some news. Shohei Otani wins the Edgar Martinez Outstanding DH award. I don't think he should have won whatsoever. Jordan Alvarez was far and away the best DH. Otani, yes, he, he was probably a better player this season because you want to factor in the pitching. And of course Shohei finished higher than him in MVP votes. But Jordan Alvarez was one hundred percent a better designated hitter than Shohei Ohtani.
1: Um, I think this kind of goes back to I think we've stated it before. Awards are tend to be given to who who like you know who makes them more who who's going to make them more money. You know who's going to make the most controversy for him if they pick you know Ohtani over uh, Alvarez because I mean everybody knows Ohtani, everybody likes him, so of course he's going to you know if it's up in the air they're going to give it to him because. He's such a big name, such a fan favorite uh, throughout all the teams.
0: Yeah, and saying that Shohei is the best DH is like saying he should win Cy Young because he hits. Like, yeah. it, it doesn't make sense. Jordan Alvarez had a better game or had a better season as a designated hitter. He played every day. He went out there and hit. He hit nukes like he had a great season, and they. I really only think that Shohei made it to this point because of the pitching. Like, he was not the most outstanding designated hitter. He was 100% an outstanding player.
1: Yes, I, I agree with that statement.
0: But, uh, that yeah, that'll do it for the MLB. Um, there's always a little bit of news uh, every week from them. But we'll go ahead and we'll get into college football because... This was a crazy rivalry week. And uh, we'll start it off with, obviously, the biggest game of the week. Probably, at this point, the biggest game of the year. I know we had given that title to Georgia-Tennessee, but this one definitely had a lot more implications. So, I, I still can't even believe it, just looking at it. Number three, Michigan, beat number two, Ohio State, 45-23. to 23. Like, Michigan absolutely dominated.
1: Yeah, and uh, it was a close game going into the, the first half, but as I like to say, there were four quarters in football. So, yeah, just because you look good in the first half, I mean, can going to use Ole Miss as an example. We look great in the first half of every game, but we never finish in the third and fourth quarter. And so look at this game as a prime example. Everybody's going to fight and say, well, Ohio State, if let's just say USC loses, that, loses this weekend, which I doubt it, or TCU loses and you have this issue of, would you rather the the wins or whatever look better for Ohio State than TCU right now? But I mean, when you look at when Ohio State played a real team like Michigan, fourth quarter came around and Michigan just stomped them.
0: Yeah, it it was crazy. And the guy that you know, I've I've kind of I, I haven't really talked shit about JJ McCarthy. I just said we haven't seen him have to do much, and once again, he really didn't have to do much, but he did his thing. 12 completions, 24 attempts. That, that is not good. But he got it done on those 12 completions. 263 yards in the air, three touchdowns. So he did it when it mattered. But I, I think, obviously, the big story is Blake Corum comes back and gets hurt real early in the game, which totally sucks because I, I really like Blake Corum. But his backup, J- Donovan Edwards, is uh, going to have to be taken seriously now uh obviously mm-hmm. they've been they haven't really split the carries. corum has been getting a little bit more over him, but Donovan Edwards got twenty two carries this game, two hundred and sixteen yards, two touchdowns like that is an insanely good game from a running back, and I think that Donovan Edwards was the key to this big of a victory for Michigan.
1: yeah, I agree. um, I just can't get over how good Michigan looked over Ohio State i I'm not going to lie. I, I was kind of betting on the Michigan win, but I was not expecting them to come out and just completely dominate in that second half.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I had talked to a couple of coworkers that are Michigan fans, and I told one of them specifically. I told him this. I believe it was on Wednesday night. I told him, I think Michigan's going to win by 17. Uh, they, they won by a little bit more, but still... I I called it. I, I thought Michigan was good. And I know that earlier in the season, we talked shit about their strength of schedule. But this kind of rewrites the narrative. We knew that this game was going to happen. We knew this was going to be a big game. But this definitely changes how people see Michigan. When, when you go into Columbus and you just absolutely kick the shit out of Ohio State, you're going to catch every single eye.
1: Yeah. I fully agree because uh, I know I'm kind of going to backtrack a little here, but I was expecting a Michigan win, but at the same time, since it wasn't Columbus, I, I, I could have seen an Ohio State win as well. But um, it, it was, I would expect to be much closer, and it, this, this was a great game. This really proves a lot more on the Michigan side. It's made me look at them you know, a little more seriously than I did last year. Because they look, especially especially in the second half of this game, they looked like a completely different team. And that's what that's exactly what you want to see for a college football, potential college football national champion uh, right there. Is they were able to go in at the halftime. I said it before last week. They went in at halftime, made the adjustments, and came out and beat the shit out of them. And that's what you got to do. And that's what they did. And it's making me... The more I look at them, the more I'm going to give them a little more credit. The more I'm going to, you know, be a little more impressed with some of their wins and how they're looking, because they were they're able to do the those little things that really do make a big difference in the game.
0: Yeah, and, and you can't discredit what Ohio State did. Yeah, they they put up 23 points, whatever. But C.J. Stroud still had an amazing game: 31 for 48, 349 in the air, two touchdowns. He threw the two interceptions. Michigan has a great defense. Uh, I'll give them that. But Ohio State's offense still looked really good. But we went around raving about, um, Jim Knowles' defense and how, you know, this has completely changed the aspects of Ohio State and how they have such a good defense this year. Well, guess what? They just gave up 45 points to a team that was missing their starting running back.
1: Yeah. Um, uh... Yeah, I'm just very impressed by this Michigan team, and we could talk about this game all night.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's so much to talk about here, um, but we will move on uh, to my favorite game of the week. Uh, This one happened uh, Friday night. Florida State beats Florida 45-38, and this is the highest-scoring Florida State versus Florida game in the entire history of the series. and what's kind of crazy is the, the passing game looked horrible. Uh, there was a lot of yards in it, but Anthony Richardson, 9 for 27, 198 yards. Uh, he, he obviously got it done in the red zone, three touchdowns, uh, had one interception. And then Jordan Travis on the other side, 13 for 30, 270 in the air, one touchdown. Uh, it, was a, it was a brutal night for passing, but both of the teams definitely got it done in the run game.
1: Yeah, um, Jordan Travis looked great. I was very impressed by him. Uh, thir- what was that, Friday night? Yeah. I was very impressed. He looked he looked very good. Uh, he made a lot of – he ran when he needed to run. He was being a very physical runner, and I really liked that from a quarterback. And so was Anthony Richardson. Uh, but I think George Travis also looked better in the passing game too. They were a little more uh, even as opposed to Florida. But that was still one heck of a game. It came down to the wire.
0: Yeah, I was definitely uh, very, very nervous there at the end. But Trey Benson is looking really good 20 carries, 111 yards, three touchdowns. Like this, we kind of have a little bit of a three headed monster at the running back position. Uh, obviously, Trishon Ward Warden, Lawrence Toafili didn't even need to be involved, but they've also had their games this season. And this run game looks great. Jordan Travis being a part of the run game is awesome. He had 15 carries, 83 yards, two touchdowns. And I I don't see a lot of holes in this Florida State team.
1: Um, Yeah, there's really not a lot. They've really – they shouldn't – I definitely uh, want to touch on their losses. They should not have dropped those three straight. Those – I don't know what happened to them, but they should have won. Honestly, they were in all three of those games to the last uh, minute. So I think they, they should be have a little bit of a better record, but I really like what Mike Norvell's doing down there. He's got it he's got him looking good. He's getting some recruits in there. And uh, so I think Florida States hopefully here in the next year or two will be back to prominence and will be back to winning the ACC championships and being back uh atop where they belong. And same goes for Florida Florida. Just this year alone, Billy Naper, he's looked a lot better than I expected. I expected Florida to be a little more uh a, li- a little worse than what they were, but, I mean, they're looking a lot better than I thought, so he's a good coach. And I think uh, this Florida-Florida State game is going to go back, uh, hopefully, this this upcoming year and then the following year. It will be back to what it was, a very important game show uh, that can potentially change the playoffs and championship game.
0: Yeah, I-, I can't wait for this game to have more and more significance, but one thing that I have to touch on before we move on is that, after this game, if you try and tell me that Anthony Richardson is a first round draft pick, I'll, I'm just not listening to you. your your opinion is invalid. He is not a first round quarterback. I, if anything, he's maybe like a third round guy that probably won't even start for the first three years of his career. Like I truly don't get the infatuation with Anthony Richardson.
1: He's got the size, the sh- he's got everything going for him. He just hasn't really had a coach. He hasn't had a consistent coach. Let me rephrase that. So hopefully, for his sake, he can get himself some consistency and can learn from a good quarterback coach.
0: Yeah, it, it, he's going to need some work because everything I've seen from him this season outside of the season opener uh, against Utah is that he can't, he, he can't be accurate. His completion percentage sucks. He doesn't really get it done with his legs, at least not at the same level as most dual-threat quarterbacks. And it, it just, like, yeah, he, he's a little bit more efficient when it comes to the red zone, but, yeah, nothing, nothing jumps off the board about Anthony Richardson.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, definitely he has a lot to work on, and I hope for his sake – and his future he can get it, uh, he can work on it.
0: Yeah, but uh we'll we'll move on to the next one. Uh number nineteen Tulane beat number twenty four Cincinnati. Uh obviously this is a ranked versus ranked matchup, but the main thing I wanted to touch on is that it is very funny that these two teams played and then by Monday both of them didn't have a coach.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean I think that's exactly what shows uh there. These are two very good teams, very good coaches. They were going to get snagged at some point. It's very uh I agree with you. it's very uh humorous that they lost both their coaches within like what a day of this game
0: yeah it, it happened within like two or three days or like like two days. uh Willie Fritz got picked up, and then uh Luke Fickle got picked up and and Luke Fickle was a little bit more of a surprise to be moving than um than Willie fritz, but uh, nonetheless, they both got some pretty good jobs. And um, it does go to show that it's hard to be competitive in the group of five because you know that your coach is going to get snatched. It happens to everybody that does well. Uh, you saw it. UCF did it uh, when Scott Frost left, and now Luke Fickle and Willie Fritz. It, it's going to happen over and over again. But you just know that you know when you can be honored enough to get into the top 25 and, and kind of stay there around, uh, around there the whole season, that you, you really got to hold on to that and, um, and, and take that one with you.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, well, you're talking about the group of five coaches getting snagged up, like just look at uh, Liberty as well. Hugh Freeze had four great years at Liberty. Every year had a winning season, brought him to four straight bowl games. Now he's getting snatched up by Auburn. So like you said, it's very hard for these group of five teams to consistently be competitive. I'm not gonna lie. I was actually surprised Luke Finkel was taking that uh, Wisconsin job. I thought he was gonna stay Cincinnati and try building something a little bigger there. But um, I don't blame him for wanting to go to the bigger level, to go to the next level, you know, and make the money.
0: Yeah, yeah. W- Wisconsin definitely passed him a bag, but um, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll move on. I don't. I don't want to get into the full coaching hiring talk until we get into the off season and just see how things go. But um, we'll move to uh, number four, TCU. Just absolutely stomping the shit out of Iowa State, 62-14. And, like, we just – this is the most dominant TCU's looked all season.
1: Yeah, this just proves that they deserve to be in the playoffs. That's – I mean, that's about the only thing I can say about this game is if there's any question marks beforehand, I think this this game really answered it because I think I said earlier, I would still rather – let's just say by – some crazy miracle kansas state can beat tcu next or this upcoming weekend and um tcu has one loss i would rather have the t i mean yeah the loss with the ohio state loss is better than tcu but i think tcu is a better team
0: yeah i think tcu is a better team if they if they lose they'll probably get knocked out um because i i think the the playoff committee is just like chomping at the bit to just rip up TCU and, and leave him for dead. But y you, you gotta give it to TCU that like like they they doubled their win total this year. Like they went undefeated in the regular season. Max Duggan looked amazing. He he'll probably probably get an invite to the Heisman ceremony. I, I don't know if he'll win because uh, there's a guy that we'll be talking about in a couple of minutes that probably will, but he definitely had one heck of a season.
1: Yeah, uh, he still had a great season, and I, I'm, I, again, uh, I'm not like a record, but I'm very impressed with this TCU team, I'm excited to see how they play in this playoffs, although I still am a firm believer it's going to be Georgia, Michigan, and the championship of Georgia pulling it out.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't see TCU getting past Michigan or Georgia, but um, we'll move on to uh, one of the big upsets this week: A and M beats number five LSU. And I watched a majority of this game, and it was truly just back and forth. And I got to give my props to um to Connor we- Wegman. Wegman, I'm never gonna find out how to say his name. But he looked like he had been there for years. Like, I know that, you know, the stats don't jump off the board 12 for 18, 155, two touchdowns, but he protected the ball. He moved around in the pocket. He created plays. And I think this was uh, a a statement game for him. And I I think he might have just earned himself the starting spot maybe in years to come.
1: Yeah. Um, he He looked really good uh, like you said, the stats weren't incredible, but I, I think he looked very good, and I think he shows a lot of great uh promise for the future
0: yeah, and then obviously uh the what boosted this a and m team to the win was devin a chain thirty eight carries two hundred and fifteen yards and two touchdowns. This is kind of what I've been looking for from devin a chain all year it, It's just the game where he just takes over like the the kid had 38 carries. That is a ridiculous number, especially in college, but he looked great. The receivers looked really good. Moose Muhammad looked super good. 5 receptions, 94 yards and a touchdown. But then on the LSU side, like they they needed to play much
1: better than this. Yeah, I mean, they gave up uh, fumble they've given they gave up they oh uh, for 1 on fourth down 4 for 11 on third down i mean you can't really have that in a game where you're trying to win especially in a game in a you uh, in a in a hostile environment like uh Kyle field is yeah i understand texas a&m was four and seven going into this game but they still had the number one recruiting class they still had so much talent on that roster you can't just look past them and i know i said it earlier uh, earlier in one of these podcasts. LSU has not played well on the road this season. We can pull up games, but, I mean, of course, their big wins have all been at home. They didn't have a single big win on the road. I mean, look at Arkansas. They also have a, a lot of talent there in Arkansas, but for LSU, LSU should have been able to go in there and win by at least two, three touchdowns. I mean, they were a much better team than an Arkansas team, and they, they barely got out of their, you know, they, they got their skin on their neck, you know?
0: Yeah, and, and uh, technically, technically a road game, but it, it was a home game in the in the the Caesars Sportsbook Superdome, whatever they call it now. Uh, with the Florida State game to open the season was another loss, and it, it's a home game, but um, yeah, LSU just struggled in this game, and I, I know we we talked about Brian Kelly last week, and I know you're not his biggest fan, but. This isn't a reflection on him. I I think this was more just they weren't, I I don't think any of these players and maybe it was the coaches, but I don't think anybody expected A&M to come out here and and do what they needed to, to win. They, They haven't done it all season, but they decided to get it together come week 12.
1: See, I definitely disagree with that because they were saying it on social media, on interviews and everything. They said, Hell, we can't go to a bowl game, so we're going to ruin LSU's chances of going to the playoffs. They, 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 I think there were two or three players that came out and said something along those lines, and I think LSU was just too cocky and went into it and went into it thinking they weren't going to have any support or anything, and they they were just surprised. Now, I will give Brian Kelly this. I have shit. I have put a lot of hate on him, and it's time to kind of clear that up a little bit. Brian Kelly is a good coach. Do not get me wrong. He is a good coach. He's brought teams to the playoffs before. He's a winning coach. With that being said, he this is a game as a head coach. You gotta you gotta say, hey, they have nothing to lose. They are going to they they want to win a game. They want to make a statement. They want people to remember this. You know, this has been a terrible season, but they want something to remember. To go, uh, to have to build on to next season, you got to get them up for that game. And uh, I mean, he's gotten them up for, of course, he's gotten them up for some great games. LSU, I mean, LSU Ole Miss game, of course, he got them up ready to play LSU Alabama. Um, but he did not get them excited at all. I don't know if it was him or the players. I don't know. I'm not going to blame anybody, but the team as a whole was not prepared for a And M.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll move on to uh number 6 USC. Uh they beat number 15 Notre Dame and um 38-27 was not a great reflection of this game. I, I feel like USC really dominated and they this was the win for them this season. Obviously, they've had a couple of other games where uh it was a statement victory, but this one really locked it up and it it made uh, the whole nation Look at USC and realize, okay, these guys are the real deal, and
1: you got to give your props to them. Oh, yeah, I watched this game. This was a very, very good game to watch. Caleb Williams uh, for USC looked just insanely good. If he doesn't win the Heisman, I might have to protest. But he, I mean, that game, he just looked crazy. He was scrambling all around. He'd r- scrambling all around pocket. Uh, had, just had himself a great game, and led that USC team to the victory. Uh, but also Notre Dame on the other hand, I know. Uh, I mean they lost of course, and uh, I think USC was firmly in control of the whole game. But that Notre Dame team looked very good.
0: Yeah, they did, and and you got to give uh, Drew Pine his his uh, credit. Twenty three for twenty six. 318 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception, that, that's a great game. Uh, any any time that you throw over 20 passes and you only have three incompletions, like, you you did your job. So uh, obviously the defense just couldn't get the stops, and that's more credit to Caleb Williams and this USC offense. But like this was a great game, but it was also a statement victory for USC, and they looked really dominant, especially in the run game.
1: Yeah, I agree. I definitely want I definitely think I'm sure I know we're going to talk about this later, but I definitely think USC deserves if, if they can win out here, they deserve that number 4 spot. Uh the current AP poll, I haven't looked at I honestly haven't looked at the CFP poll, but I'm sure it's the same top 4. Uh based off the AP poll that I've, I saw this weekend, I, I agree with that top 4. I think that, that's the best matchup. That's the most respectable matchup for everybody I could agree with.
0: Yeah, they, they definitely have proved their spot. Uh, we'll get into uh, the next big upset. Uh, South Carolina beating number eight Clemson, 31-30. All I got to say is go Cox!
1: Oh, dude, that Beamer ball is going crazy in South Carolina. This is what South Carolina needed. South Carolina needed a big win against Clemson. Not only did they beat Clemson, they beat Clemson at Clemson and, and rushed their field with their uh, players and fans. Uh, which is a big statement, and I think that's a very good thing for uh, Shane Beamer and the South Carolina football team, especially when it comes to recruiting and the Carolinas, North Georgia, East Tennessee and all that area is hey, we're no longer just that 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 South Carolina team. We are here to play, we are here to win. we're here to be competitive, and yeah. that's gonna be good for him and the uh, future recruiting
0: and we. I think we all wrote, wrote off Spencer Rattler before last week, but you take last or uh, that that Tennessee performance, and then you put it up with this one against Clemson. He went twenty-five for thirty-nine, three-sixty with two touchdowns and two interceptions. Like it, at this point, you can't just say that it was a it was a lightning in a bottle uh, against Tennessee you, you got to start thinking that maybe Spencer Rattler is starting to make some changes. He transferred in at the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, he still had to to adjust. It's a completely new situation for him. He didn't play much last year and he's finally making improvements. Um, He'll be there next year. And I think that, you know, eight and four, this is South Carolina playing over what they probably should have done. But yeah, Oh, I, I, I think it it is telling for the future. I I think eight and four is somewhere that we can see South Carolina finish at consistently for the next couple of years.
1: I I agree. I I think eight and four is a very very good. Uh, it's obviously an amazing year for them, uh, especially in the last. You know, honestly, since uh, Steve Spurrier left, they've kind of been in this constant, just like. Basically, loop of just like oh, have one great game and then you know we'll play a great game, beat Georgia at Georgia, and then the next game get loose to Vanderbilt, and they kind of had that issue this this season as well. Um, I would like to see how they play uh, next year when he's got um, more of his recruits in and his players playing. Uh, Spencer Rattler, I've never really been his biggest fan. Uh, I've watched him on that reality show uh, QB One and. Honestly, in high school, he was a great player. You know, he went to Oklahoma, played great there that first year. But he's always been from uh, just what I saw on that TV show to now, always been either good Spencer or bad Spencer. Where you get a game where he is playing like the next Heisman contender, or he's playing like he's the practice team for the JV team at Luke High School.
0: Yeah, and and, and uh, talking about. The uh, the practice squad quarterback DJ. Oh my god, dude! Eight completions, twenty nine attempts, only ninety nine passing yards with a touchdown and interception. That is just abysmal. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. This isn't even close to what my stake your claim is, but this is the end of DJ.
1: Oh yeah, this is definitely DJ's. This this will probably be his last season as a as a starter at uh, the university of Clemson, because he just, uh, he just, he's, and I think it also for him, it goes through, he was given all this, all this hype, all this, you know, he's supposed to be the next Trevor Lawrence. And he came out as just an average, you know, college quarterback playing decent, getting you wins. And then just every, it's kind of almost kind of like Stetson Bennett or sorry, not Stetson Bennett, Jake Fromm had a great, had a pretty good first year, and they were giving all this hype to him, and then he's just kind of stayed the same, and it's gone. Honestly, this year he's kind of gone down a little, much like Jake Fromm did.
0: Uh, and and I, I could see DJ entering the transfer portal after this season because I, I got a feeling that the the coaches at Clemson are going to make it known that these performances are unacceptable. Uh, yeah, Clemson. Clemson holds their players. And just this team in general to a very high standard and when your quarterbacks playing this bad, you gotta let it be known that this can't happen, so yeah, they're gonna make their bull game whatever they went ten and two, and they're they might win the conference championship. I don't think they will, but yeah, DJ's just got to be done. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be uh, – I, I can't quite remember that backup's name that came in in the Syracuse game. I don't know if it's going to be him or it's going to be another guy that they've recruited, but it, it it shouldn't be DJ next year.
1: After a performance like we saw in this game, they definitely – this bowl game, hell, give DJ a, first, uh, a quarter. If he still doesn't play well, bring in the backup's. Give them, let them switch off drives. See how they do. See who do you, who's going to be looking better for next year. Because if DJ again just goes in and has just a sloppy performance, mediocre performance, let let one of the backups try.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's tough to see because I I I truly believed in him coming out of high school. He was a, a great prospect. Uh, at uh, I believe he went to St. John Bosco out in California. Like he was highly touted and, you know, backing up Trevor Lawrence for a year. He came in in that Georgia tech game, like there, there was some promising moments for DJ and he's just falling flat on his face, but it uh, will move on from Clemson and uh, go to one of the last uh, big outcomes of the week. Uh, Oregon state number 21 beats number nine, Oregon 38, 34 in the, uh, what I assume they don't let you call it anymore, the Civil War. Um, this game was it, it was tough.
1: It was. I, I was able to watch this entire game. It was a great game. I, I had a lot of fun watching it. I'm pretty sure I kind of checked out in the third quarter. I went to go get dinner or a late-night snack or something. I missed the third quarter. But when I left, uh, Oregon State was down like two, three touchdowns or something. And when I came back, it, w- it was back to neck and neck, and Oregon State was driving. That Russian, uh, uh, that run game by the Oregon State team is one of the best in the nation. I mean, they looked great.
0: Yeah, like they didn't have to do anything in the passing game. They attempted 13 passes, like, <laughs> and they attempted 13 passes through two picks. So it, it probably could have even been a little bit bigger of a victory, maybe not as much of a nail-biter for them if they just stuck with the run but you got a running back with 103 yards, 75 yards, 53 yards. Like everybody was getting it done and on Oregon's side, they they just fell on their face in the fourth quarter. That you can't give up 21 points in the fourth if you're a, a even a competent team. And to be the number 9 team in the nation, how is your defense play that bad?
1: Um I think we we've said it before. It's called being in the Pac-12.
0: <laughs> Fair enough
1: um, Yeah I was honestly very surprised To see a Pac-12 team In Oregon State not pass the ball 50,000 times That I mean I was very Very impressed with that uh, running game And uh, that's really Just what I want to talk about is how good that ru- that Run game looked for them Yeah and I mean it's Pac-12 Who you know, No one expects it to be a low scoring game So 38-34 not really a big surprise That run game for Oregon State Just looked so good
0: yeah, it and Bo Nix, unfortunately, like he still looked good, but you gotta win these games. Like, yes, great stats, but you gotta do a little more. Uh, I know you're you're trying your hardest, Bo, but you can't lose to Oregon State it, at this point in the season. Like, you had a chance to make it into the into the Pac-12 championship. You you had a chance to stay in the top ten and you absolutely blew it.
1: Yeah. Um Yeah, I think he just kind of bow nixed it, you know.
0: Yeah, he he still had a great game. I, I can't even blame him. Like they put up points. Just the defense totally screwed them. Uh we'll we'll move on to the uh oh no, go ahead. If you got another was gonna, point.
1: Uh, wasn't Dan Dan Landing, he was I thought he was the uh he was a DC at Georgia, wasn't he? Yes, that is very, uh, very surprising to me. Uh, um, the, the amount of points he's been given up this year, with being uh, tutelage under Kirby Smart, and I'm sure I know it's his first season, so I don't want to I don't want to put too much slander on his name quite yet. But um, with him being under Kirby Smart, I expect I expect more from that defense. There was a lot of mistakes they made, a lot of a lot of stupid mistakes that caught that was you know costing a lot of these big runs. So. Um, that's definitely something they'll work they they got to work on it. They want to be a uh, a playoff contending team.
0: Yeah, and one thing I am interested in with Dan Lanning at Oregon is you know, being a defensive coach, how well is he going to recruit defensive players to Oregon? Uh, we've obviously talked about it multiple times even just today that the Pac-12 doesn't have a a great track record with defensive players. So, how well can Dan Lanning you know pull some of these defensive guys and, and keep them on the West Coast, bring them to Oregon, you know work with them, and maybe develop a team that could have a defense that's good enough to win a championship like he did in Georgia?
1: Yeah, I think uh that's definitely something we'll see with the uh transfer portal we'll, we'll, that i I believe will help them a lot more than uh recruiting for defense because everyone will you know they they'll be able to keep those players out there for offense but now he's got to compete against Lincoln Riley at USC uh I mean Oregon State now as well they're looking to be on the come up um and Chip Kelly at UCLA he's looking pretty good and then, of course Washington so yeah lot, and Utah and yeah Utah as well so there's a lot of teams there in that conference he's going to have to uh you know get uh have to fight against for those recruits so I, I definitely thank him with the background of being at Georgia. Defensive players will see that and see, you know, Kirby Smart, who coached under Nick Saban, one of the greatest defen- – I mean, Nick Saban was a hell of a defensive coordinator as well. That's always been his thing. And then Kirby Smart, who's proven to be the best defensive coach in football now, and then Dan Lanning uh, was learning under him. So I think that, that should help him out a lot there, and I, I'm excited to see for him and his career how that will work out.
0: Yeah, uh it, it's definitely going to be interesting. But uh, uh we'll move on uh to just some of the notable outcomes from the week. Uh Georgia beat Georgia Tech 37-14. Um I probably would have expected a bigger win from Georgia, but you know, they they probably kind of just took the week off. They're getting ready for um the SEC Championship game against a a failing LSU team. So, yeah, th- there's not much to say here. Uh the offense started off slow, but not much. You got anything on this one?
1: Oh, just basically I mean, you can't, you can't really say too much bad, too much bad stuff about Georgia because like they're still, they still played and shut shut Georgia Tech out. Yeah, the, yeah, Georgia Tech is you know not looking too good, but at the end of the day, they still have good athletes and this new coach they brought in really uh, changed their attitudes and they came out to play. But Georgia is still definitely the best team in the nation and. I agree with you. They were taking off the week to look ahead to this LSU team and uh, what to look forward to.
0: Yeah, and then uh, number seven, Alabama beating Auburn 49-27 in the Iron Bowl. This is exactly what we expected, honestly. Like, Alabama was going to come in. They're going to kick Auburn's ass just like they always do.
1: Yeah, there's uh, this is one I really don't have too much to say. Uh, Alabama looked like Alabama. Gave up uh, more points than I was expecting, but uh, they put up a lot of points as well. Uh, just, you know, they're fighting through that extra spot. If if the, the potential there being another uh, potential for them making the playoffs, they are fighting for that right now.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, the time is slipping away from them, but all they got to do is sit around and watch rivalry week, to see if they make it in. But, um, yeah, we'll move on to another team that put some points on the board. Number ten, Tennessee beating their rival Vandy fifty six zero, and uh, I said it on the podcast last week that this game was going to look like a Tennessee home game, and uh, it, it sure did. Like that, that crowd was orange.
1: Oh, it definitely was orange. But I think I'll I'll say this for Vanderbilt because I mean Tennessee, of course, you know beat the hell out of them. They they controlled the game and won the game. Uh, their quarterback uh, Milton, he stepped up. He looks pretty good. I don't think they have anything to worry about uh, next season when it comes to the quarterback play. Um, but I do say for Vanderbilt, yeah, they may get shut out fifty-six to zero, but they honestly didn't look too bad to get shut out fifty-six to zero. I mean, that's of course uh, almost a s- dumb statement. But like when I was watching the game, they they were moving the ball successfully they would get, just get shut down right about the 35-yard line every time. So I, I think there's a lot of hope for this uh, Vanderbilt team in the future, and they're, de- they're definitely a team that's going to have to be – they need to that coach, uh, Clark Lee. I'm, I like him. He's a good coach, and he definitely needs to make sure he hits that transfer portal hard and tries to convince some people to come to Vanderbilt for uh, his sake.
0: Yeah, the, it's going to be super important for Vandy uh, in the next uh, couple of years because they've definitely made some some great adjustments uh, even just this year. They, they've they looked really good at points, but obviously, you know, number 10 Tennessee coming off of a loss, they they knew that Tennessee was going to come in there and kick their ass. Uh, but we'll, we'll move on to number 12 Kansas State beating Kansas. Just uh, threw this one in there because Kansas State locked up that uh, – at second place in the uh, Big 12, so they're going to the championship game. Um, Kansas way outperformed what anybody thought, so you got to give them their props. Kansas State for sure outplayed what people thought. I don't think really anybody thought Kansas State would be this good at this point in the season. Uh, obviously, Adrian Martinez has outplayed how well he was playing um, at Nebraska. I'm pretty sure it was either Nebraska or Wisconsin. But, um, yeah, it, it's impressive. Uh, you got anything about this one?
1: Um, uh, there. I mean, I'm honestly not too shocked about this. Uh, Kansas, of course, you know, they, they were ranked during the year and then just kind of d- took a downturn there. But uh, it, it's, what, Leopold's first year here or there at uh, Kansas? I'm not sure
0: if it's his first year, but it's definitely his – his best. Um, it's one
1: of his. I, I, I thought it was one of his more. Be, uh, one of his beginning years because.
0: Uh, yeah, it, it definitely is. Let's see. Um, yeah, so um, he he's been the head coach since twenty twenty one.
1: Okay, so this is his second year. Um, yeah. Very good for his second year. Uh, you know they they started off what like four and 5 and o or something like that. Yeah, they're either five or six and oh. Yeah, they start off very strong and very good for a, a second-year coach rebuilding a program that's been consistently the worst in FBS football. So uh, he's looking really good. Honestly, wasn't not surprised by the by this uh, score here. Makes sense. Uh, Kansas State was definitely the better team, uh, and I think it's going to be a fun game next week: uh, Kansas State versus TCU.
0: Yeah, and the the last thing I've got to say is just uh, congrats to Lance Leipold getting that contract extension through twenty twenty nine. So uh, we we had questioned it a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago. Like, is he going to leave or is he going to stay and just you know do his thing? But it, it looks like Lance Leipold is uh, is in it for the rebuild. So I'm um, I'm definitely going to be looking at Kansas for the coming years. Uh, we'll move on. Uh, I made sure to not make a big deal out of this game because I know you don't want to talk much about it. But Mississippi State beats number 20 Ole Miss 24-22. Uh, I will give you two minutes and then I will cut you off.
1: Um, my biggest thing with this game is uh, there was definitely trying to say in a way that can't really get me in trouble, but I disagreed with some of the coaching calls. Uh, I definitely disagree with some of the coaching calls. There were some things in there that did not make any sense to me as well as there were some terrible officiating in this game. I think anybody who watched this game can agree with that. I have no idea that you... I didn't know that uh, you could replay a uh, da- replay something that happened after the whistle was blown dead and all the referees said the play was dead for three seconds and then you can turn the ball over. It doesn't make sense to me, but that's I don't know. That's something that was really annoying. But uh, defensively, they played great. I believe they had, t- they uh, uh, forced Will Rogers to fumble three times, uh, recovering two of them and had a pick on Will Rogers. Defensively, they played great. And so uh, that's really good for them. I just, I just, I want more from this team. They're better than how they played. Um, with that being said, Lane Kiffin has, is now staying for, uh, another six years, making nine million a year, so he's very happy. So hopefully this upcoming year we can go back to uh New Year's Six game and then the following year hopefully the playoffs.
0: Hey man. it'll be a lot easier to get into the playoffs in that following year. So um yeah, I, I like everything you said. I, I totally agree. Ole Miss definitely look, they they didn't always look great throughout this game. They had the shining moments from the defense, but yeah, Mississippi State just did what they needed to and uh they got it done. But we'll move on. Uh, I do want to get your opinion on some of the conference championships uh that are happening next weekend. So, I'm just going to kind of fire them off and we'll both uh, you know, give our give our take. So, um we'll start with uh, the Pac-12 Championship. Utah versus USC, who you got?
1: I'm going to have to go with USC here. They just after being able to watch a full game of USC, I definitely believe in them a little more than I did uh, earlier in the season. They are a very good team with a very good quarterback. and um, Utah as well is a very good team. But I just think USC is going to be able to win by like at least 10 points just because they're that much better.
0: Yeah, I, I could see USC taking it. I think it'll be close. Uh, Utah obviously beat them in a close one earlier this year. But yeah, USC has continued to just get better throughout the season, so I, I don't see them losing this one. I'll uh, we'll move over to the uh, SEC championship. Um, you can just go ahead and say it. Uh,
1: of course, I already said this. Uh, Georgia's going to win, uh, but I think to be a little closer than we think, but not as close. I would say Georgia's got it by about eight and a half. I don't know what the Vegas odds are, but I think Georgia's defense is just too good and makes so little. They make so little errors that beating this LSU offense should be easy because they the bread and butter for this LSU team is the uh, is what the zone o- the read option you know just a simple quarterback looks at the end if the end comes upfield he hands it off if he crashes down he pulls and that's their go to bread and butter from what I've noticed that's really where they get that's like their big play usually and I think this Georgia team is way this Georgia defense especially is way too way too disciplined. To, be, to, give, uh, to let uh, something like that uh, mess them up, as well as their offense is looking really good. I think this offense, they had a bit of an off game against Georgia Tech. Not really, because still, they still scored 37, but it was a little bit off. I think they bounce back here, and they win by 8.5 over LSU.
0: Yeah, well, so uh, I'm taking Georgia, uh, obviously. But uh, Vegas has got the line at
1: 17.5. Wow, that's a lot more than I thought. This yeah. Is why- Vegas.
0: Yeah, they they know something that we don't. So um we'll move on to the big twelve, uh TCU taking on Kansas State. And yeah, it's hard to pick against TCU, so I'm gonna have to take the Horn Frogs.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have to take the Horny Toads as well. Um you know, they they just they've looked so good and they have a lot of energy behind their team. And I think I think to be a little closer than what we're going to expect because Kansas State as well has some energy in that team has some uh, a lot of hype with them as well. But I think TCU right now they are they are a freight train and there's no stopping them until they get in the playoffs. So I, I would definitely have to go with TCU. It's going to be it's going to be a closer game, but it's still going to be TCU by a good by a fair amount.
0: Yeah, Vegas has got this one at uh, TCU minus two and a half. So yeah, they're they're anticipating a close one. I I think TCU I will cover that. that. And, I
1: um, hammering the or uh, yeah, I'm hammering the minus two and a half for them.
0: Yeah, uh, I'd probably steer clear of the over over under sixty two. Not not my cup of tea. But um, we'll move on. Uh, the Big Ten championship, Michigan. I don't even need to say who it is. We we know, obviously, it's Purdue. But yeah, Michigan by like a billion.
1: Oh yeah, I I take Michigan by. I think this is how uh, I'm, uh, this is all on how uh. Good old hardball can uh, get them hyped up for this game. If it's going to be, oh, uh, uh, we're going to look for if we're looking forward to next to the playoffs or what bowl, who we're going to play in the bowl game uh, for the playoffs, I mean. And it, it depends on how he gets them, them energized, but I could see him. He really needs to make sure he gets uh, a lot of energy there because if TCU ends up beating the heck out of, uh, out of, because I mean, the top four with the exception of Georgia, is basically set unless there's a major victory by one of these teams in their championship game. So Michigan, TCU, and USC really need to make sure they play a great game because I don't think any of them want to play Georgia.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you want to avoid that for as long as possible. Uh, we'll go on to, um, surprisingly, the irrelevant conference championship game, which is Clemson versus North Carolina. Um, I'm gonna I'm taking North Carolina.
1: I am also gonna take North Carolina. That quarterback they have, I like him so much. He just he's a freshman and he looks he plays with confidence and he looks so good. Um, I definitely think they got robbed a little in that uh loss to N C State. I watched that game. There's a couple couple poor play call uh not a uh, couple poor poor ref calls there that I, I definitely disagree with and I like the. Don't get me wrong. I love the uh, instant replay because it works for me. But when it doesn't work in my favor, it kind of makes me mad. And so I'm always up in the air at that. But I think, I think it's going to be North Carolina because DJ just isn't going to do it for him for Clemson. Yeah. And
0: yeah. And and think, if they look at all like they did this week against South Carolina, then there's no shot they're going to beat North Carolina.
1: Oh yeah. There, there's no way in the world they can beat North Carolina. I really want this North Carolina t- team to be. I really want them to be good. I want. I want to see Mac Brown make the playoffs. I just really like him.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I love Mac Brown. But uh, we'll we'll move on. Uh, I do want to get your reaction just real quick to this college football playoff ranking. Um, and I'm just gonna kind of start reading and um, probably go 25 through 15 and just kind of get your thoughts, and then uh, keep moving along. But so you've got NC State coming in at twenty-five. Mississippi State jumps in uh there at twenty-four. UNC drops down to twenty-three, UCF at uh, twenty-two, Notre Dame get gets uh, a pretty hard fall down to twenty-one, uh Texas comes into twenty, South Carolina at nineteen, Tulane at eighteen, UCLA at seventeen, Oregon drops down to sixteen, and Oregon State jumps up into that fifteen spot. anything that's really sticking out to you with those?
1: um I like that i i want to I really want to say South Carolina deserves to be a little higher, but their losses are just bad losses. I mean, you can't uh, get over that uh, so far, I agree with all of it. Oregon State, I'm happy they're a, a ahead of Oregon because definitely they're the better team at nine and three at both of them being nine and three um. So uh, right uh, right now, this, I don't like how far they dropped Notre Dame though, since they lost the number four team in the country. Yeah, again, I also understand they had some bad losses, but I think they they look in each week they get better. Whereas South Carolina, it would be they'd have one great week and then one bad week. These last two weeks for South Carolina have really only been their two consistent, consistent really good weeks.
0: Yeah, um, we'll move on. Uh, let's see. So I'll, I'll go fourteen through. Yeah, I'll, I'll honestly just go 14 through six because it's really the only the top five that matters at the moment. But 14, LSU, uh, obviously the tough loss to a m is going to put you down there. Florida State coming in at 13. Oh, I, I couldn't be happier. But <laughs> uh, we'll come back to that. Uh, Washington at 12, Utah at 11, and Kansas State at 10, Clemson at 9, Penn State at 8. Tennessee at seven and Bama coming in at six.
1: My biggest issue with this, Clemson is not far enough down. They are not that good of a team to still be in the top 10. I am sorry, but they do not deserve to be in the top 10.
0: Yeah, like it, it, it honestly looks like they forgot that Clemson lost.
1: Yeah, it, it does not look like they, you know, they're a two lost team here. Notre Dame, yeah, I understand they have four losses on here, but they lost the number, number four. And they dropped them six. Clemson lost to an unranked team and dropped one spot. I know they're Clemson. They have a good team or whatever. They deserve to be number 12. They don't deserve to be number nine. I'm sorry. They are not a top 10 team.
0: Yeah. And then uh, another thing now that we've gotten up to six is I am pleasantly surprised with the Pac-12 representation in this top 25. Um Obviously, UCLA, Oregon, Oregon State coming in at 17 through 15, Washington at 12, Utah at 11, and then uh, we already talked about it earlier, USC's at four. Like that is, that is huge for the Pac-12.
1: I mean, they look great this year. I, I, we can hate on them all, the, all day, long, live long day about not having defense or whatever, but their teams have deserved to be ranked. Though I believe there there may be you know if they were to play a certain SEC teams I would still I would have to air for the SEC team but I think they deserve to be where they are they in their schedule they've played very well and I like that they're very they're represented very well throughout here.
0: Yeah, uh, I think Washington's probably the biggest surprise getting in at twelve, but they they've definitely showed that they deserve it. Um, another one thing I wanted to comment on: Penn State at eight. Uh, obviously, yeah, two loss team and their losses to number two and number five. Um, so yeah, you got to give them their credit. They they did their thing this year. They got a couple of good wins, um, uh, but you know, they didn't win when it mattered. And that's why you don't see them up there, you know, really competing in the big 10. Um, obviously Tennessee seven, Alabama six. I, I got no problem with either of those. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and go through this top five though. Ohio State 5, USC 4, TCU 3, Michigan 2, Georgia 1. And the biggest storyline that I saw before these rankings came out was people kind of trying to make a case for Michigan to jump Georgia. And uh, just because they beat the number three team, I, I, I'd like to hear what, your thoughts on that.
1: That's stupid. I'm sorry. I've been saying it all season. Georgia, they're 12-0. Reigning national champions and have have confidently won every game. They have not looked amazing every game, but they have definitely been in control of every game they've been in this season. Um, I, I definitely think they just they also have that goes back to what we talked about consistency. Yeah, Mich- Michigan's had a lot of consistency as well, and they did beat the number two team. But arguably, Georgia also beat the number one team. Tennessee who's now number 7. Georgia, I mean, you can make those arguments all day long, but Georgia deserves to be number 1 and Michigan deserves to be number 2.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, that that's exactly number. how I see it. And yeah, TCU definitely deserves to be 3. I, I think those spots are solidified uh unless uh one of these teams gets upset and obviously the most likely upset here would be TCU and Kansas State. But at the same time, maybe USC doesn't play well. Maybe they lose to Utah. Do you think Uh, Ohio State would slip in if one of those teams loses?
1: If the only way for Ohio State to get in is if USC loses, and if Southern California loses, then that's going to be crazy to me because not only, uh, we said earlier, they've gotten better each week, but like... They've, it's also really hard for a team to beat you twice in a season. So that's something we'll uh, have to look out here for. But I don't think Ohio State, if TCU loses, they deserve to be number four. Because they lost postseason, technically, in a championship game. Ohio State lost in a regular season. So I think that's also a little bit of a difference there. Uh, although this, like you said, the college football playoff committee does not respect TCU. They've never respected TCU. And if they get snubbed, this will be the second time they get snubbed for Ohio state.
0: Yeah. It, it would be, uh, a a travesty. If TCU doesn't make it in, um, especially just after how this entire season's gone. Um, you know, they, they'd be playing the number 10 team in the nation, uh, a Kansas state team that has been very good. Obviously, TCU beat them earlier this year, but you never know. Like you just said, it's hard to beat the same team twice in a year because, you know, as much as you already know what they're going to bring you, now they know what you're going to bring. So it definitely makes it really tough, but um, I personally think this top four is going to stay.
1: I agree. I don't, the only way you can see it changing around is if, let's just say, Michigan has a very close game to Purdue. And TCU just blows uh, Kansas State out of the water. I could see that changing around, or TCU a close game, USC blowing Utah the water. You know, just uh, just the way they win is the only way that two through three, two through four should change. Because the only they're honestly okay. Because Michigan, if Georgia, the only way Georgia to not be number one is if they lose. Even if they play a close game with LSU. Georgia still deserves to be number one because because Michigan's not going to play a good enough team, in my opinion, to push them over the edge to be number one. So the only way Georgia's dropped from one is if they are to lose LSU, and I just cannot foresee that to happen. So I agree with you. I think the top four is going to stay the same.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, I want to move on. So we're going to go into this week's stake your claim. And I'm going to go ahead and go first. Um, I, I genuinely think this is the hottest take I've had so far. Uh, I know that TikTok has absolutely loved for that Jim Harbaugh take, um, but <laughs> I think that this year's Super Bowl is going to be the Bengals versus the 49ers.
1: Niners on top, baby. I,
0: I know both of these teams are 7-4 and four right now, but... This 49ers defense is ridiculous. Their offense is good enough. If Jimmy G can keep playing, if Jimmy G plays like he did this past weekend and they get the run game a little bit more involved, they're going to be even scarier than they are right now. And then on the Bengals side, you know Joe Burrow's going to start turning up here. He he's already obviously had great games throughout the season, but Mixon will be back I don't know if Jamar Chase will be back. I don't think so, but you've got the options at wide receiver with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Samajé Piran's a great backup running back. He's very good in the passing game. I do really think that the Bengals have what it takes to get back, and I think the biggest thing that people would say no about this is that the Eagles in the NFC, and then the Bills and the Chiefs and the AFC. And I just think that it, at some point in the playoffs, the Bills and Chiefs are going to face each other, most likely, and one of them is going to knock the other off, and I think that's the Bengals' opportunity to capitalize, just like last year.
1: I agree. I, I like that take. I really like that uh, you chose the Niners because they really, I, I really like this team. They have a lot of weapons, and they're, like you said, their defense looks so good.
0: Yeah, and, like, how often do we really see, like, the best regular season team make it all that far? Like, Uh the Eagles are are far and away the best team right now in the NFL. I'm I'm confident in saying that. Uh, They obviously haven't had the best games for the past three weeks. Obviously, they lost to the Commanders and then a close one with the Colts, a close one with the Packers. But I just... I think that those three games are pretty telling about this team. Obviously, they're missing Jordan Davis, uh, who's been a huge impact in stopping the run, but it it just doesn't seem to be working out, and I don't think it has longevity. Once they get into the playoffs, it's going to take the guys with the experience, and the 49ers have guys that are experienced.
1: I like your take there.
0: All right. well, uh, I'm going to stop rambling, but what you got?
1: Um, I'm going to go with two.
0: Okay, okay. A First, first time on stake or claim. Brock's going to take two picks.
1: Definitely, I'm going to call Willie Fritz is going to turn this Georgia Tech team around, and next year they go seven and five.
0: Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Well, <laughs> go, go ahead and explain this one, and then we'll get into that second one.
1: I just – look at what he did at uh, Tulane. Now, 7-5 and five is very ambitious, uh, but I think with, it, with uh, the ACC how it is, he gets a couple cupcake games in there, although he does have to play both Ole Miss and Georgia next year and Florida State and Clemson. But most of his other games are pretty winnable. So um, I think I could definitely see him going 7-5. and five. I mean, look what he did at Tulane. Look what he did at Georgia Southern when he was at Georgia Southern. He was there for, I believe it was two years before they got rid of him. But he was the one who brought Georgia Southern to uh, the D1 level. D1 FBS brought them – I think they went uh, undefeated or one loss their first season, won the Sun Second season brought them to their first bowl game. And then uh, he had some – him and administration got into it or something. I don't recall exactly. He leaves, goes to Tulane, turns the Tulane program from what I believe was basically – uh, just poverty, just one, two wins into a team this year that is going to a New Year's Six Bowl game. So I am ve- I think he has a lot of recruiting area in Atlanta and the help with Jeff Collins in establishing that culture, a uh, new culture at Georgia Tech to get away from uh, Paul Johnson, kind of that young culture. I know really Fritz is old, but he's going to go off of that culture that was built by Jeff Collins before him, get some good kids in portal and uh turn that team around cuz I mean they got some players there and I think they had the potential to be a good team.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely love that take. Uh, I I don't know about 7 and 5. Definitely not in the first year. Uh, I'm not Very not too confident in that one. But you know, they've got a chance. The ACC uh is not the best and this would be a great time for Willie Fritz to really turn around this program. But uh, I I do want to hear, I'm very interested in what your second take is going to be after that one.
1: My second uh, uh, one is probably not, my second uh, pick is really not going to be too, uh, too surprising, but the next three to four seasons will be the national champions will be from the Southeastern conference.
0: Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. Um, yeah, you guys heard my Jim Harbaugh take, uh, I I honestly, I think they'll probably pick up one of them. I think Michigan will probably pick up a national championship, but yeah, I, I like that. Um, I, I think with how, how mixy this year has been with the transfer portal and NIL kind of being in full effect now, um, this is the future of college football. Uh, we're, we're inevitably going to see a, a two-loss team make it in in the coming years. Uh, obviously, um, with the expanded playoff, there's there's more and more opportunity for some of these SEC teams to to have the chance to win it all. So, I, I like that. I, I think that um, I think the SEC will definitely capitalize on the expanded playoff.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more. Much like we have the last few seasons, a lot more SEC versus SEC, and the final, the semifinals to the national championship game. All right.
0: Well, I think that that might just do it for us. Um, you got anything else you want to say to the people?
1: Oh, not really. More just uh, don't don't hate me for hating. Uh, the LSU head coach, Brian Kelly, man. He, he's nice, <laughs> I mean, he's done great, but I just I've never bought into him. Okay. Don't hate me, people.
0: That's that's fair enough. Uh, I do want to congratulate United States. We Woo! made it into the we made it into the knockout stage. Uh I, I got a feeling we're not gonna beat the uh, Netherlands. But hey, a great win. Pulisic, hopefully we can see him. In that match against Netherlands, um, I'm not too sure how serious the injury is. But, uh, yeah, we we need Captain America there.
1: Definitely 100%.
0: (laughs) All right. We will see you all next week. And next week, we will have the college football playoff laid out.
1: Yeah. Oh. Whoops. Wrong thing. Come on.